0: I know a lot of people were still talking, but did anyone catch the song? We, throughout the series, Net Worth, which we're wrapping up today, uh, we've played different songs to kind of intro that were somewhat connected to the series or to the song. Anyone catch it? Did you catch it? Let's play it one more time, though, for the rest of the people who didn't catch it. Anyone catch it so far? Anyone know who this is? Red Chili Peppers. Anyone know the song? Give it away. I really struggled uh, this week with what song to pick. It was uh, it was hard. I went back and forth. Um, I really thought about Mo Money, Mo Problems" um, with May, Notorious B.I.G. If you don't know who that is, I feel so sorry for your childhood. Um, but it really didn't fit the song. It fit the sermon at all. So like, I really can't do that. Um, the, the the sermon says a lot about opportunities and stepping into them. So I looked up and googled like songs about opportunity and the most common response was a song by Pitbull. If you don't know who that is, you did not have a waste of childhood. Like, you are blessed and highly favored from the Lord. Like, I, I, I have a visceral reaction. Like, if you ever seen Knives Out, the reaction that girl has when she lies, that's my reaction to singing a Pitbull song or hearing one. Like, it's not pretty. So we weren't gonna do that. I thought about Eminem, Lose Yourself, in the moment, because it talks about opportunity, but thought it was too generic and out there. So i, I leaned on Give It Away, because there's actually this great line um, in the song, and so if you don't know, Red Hot Chili Peppers is like, at their height, really successful um, bands. They had a little bit of an alternative, like different edge, and definitely nonconformist, but they became very popular, and they hit it big, had a lot of wealth, and basically the person who wrote the song in Red Hot Chili Peppers is just looking around at society, and, and he says these words. He says, greedy little people, which kind of stings, but he says, greedy little people in a sea of distress, keep your more to receive your less. And so the writer's looking around and he just sees, hey, all this culture that we have, people that have so much, but in a sense they're more... They have the less they have that when he looked around at society, he didn't see people having joy or contentment or anything like that. So, a lot of then the song is give it away, not just your money, but then he talks about giving love away. And it's interesting because when I was um, reading those words, it really reminded me of different words. This is going to be really weird. It's the only time I think in the history of creation um, that the red-hot chili peppers has made anyone think of Martin Luther. Um, but it made me think of a Martin Luther quote. He said, This, Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hands. And I've lost them all, but whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Love that quote. And uh, I thought of that because uh, red hot chili peppers are definitely not people of faith, but Martin Luther was, and he kind of went to more the positive aspect of this. To me, it was just a great way of us wrapping up the series, which this series has been about our money and our possessions, and, and a lot of it has simply been that as we take our money, and possessions, and we place them into God's hands, um, metaphorically speaking. Sometimes just by sa- basically us just saying, God, whatever you would have us do with our possessions, we'll do. Or sometimes it's through us giving. We talked about that this past week. We'll hit it more today. It's we Placing our stuff in God's hands, but then Martin Luther said, listen, anytime I've done that, I haven't lost it. Now, that doesn't mean like he gets the money back or whatever possessions. It just means at the end of the day, he knows that God is using it for whatever purposes God wants to, and he's good with that. And then also, I think what Martin Luther is alluding to is here is unlike the culture that the red hot chili peppers saw that we have around us, man, when you put your stuff in God's hands, you get joy. You get back way more than you ever give which we'll also talk about today. So that was the point um, of the song today. Um, as we're entering into our last week, what I'm going to do today is really wrap it up. Uh, we've had a bunch of different threads. I'm going to kind of bring them all together today, but also we are going to focus on one thing that we've kind of alluded to and maybe even given some hints of and some of our applications and illustrations throughout the series, but I really want to hit it pretty explicitly this morning, so I'm going to kind of do both of those, but let's do the first one uh, first. Let's kind of get everybody up to speed, especially if you've been gone for a few weeks and tie this all together. here's how I'm gonna do this when I was a kid um, we were learning about water and we would learn about things like evaporation um, and precipitation and all these other things that end with Asian or something like that like all these different things that basically the environment did with the water that formed what's called the water cycle and we I think we actually have a picture up here and so there's these drawings that would show it's like all right you got evaporation going and then that precipitates down and then the water runs off the mountains and such and so forth and then it just the cycle that keeps on going so the idea is that God is created this beautiful, amazing system that works together and that everyone benefits from. Um, and that is this, this amazing harmony of a cycle. In, in the same way, I think what we've learned in the series is God has actually created our possessions to work in such a way that as, 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 as people give and as God gives, it's this incredible cycle. In fact, I should have said as God gives first because that's actually the thing we learned in the series. I think we're gonna put up a giving cycle for you that I drew myself using a computer. I don't have this good a drawing skills. Let's get the first slide of the giving cycle. So the giving cycle actually starts with God, that God gives. Um, he is the first giver. Psalm, the book of Psalm says, "The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything on earth is God's." Um, in Acts seventeen, it says that He gives to people life and breath and everything. Everything includes. Everything, includes our possessions, includes our money, everything we have is from God. Now, some people say, well, wait a second, like, I work for a living, I, I produce my wealth, I produce my money. Well, Deuteronomy 8 says that God gives you the ability to produce that wealth. So even like your talents, your skills at your job, your paycheck, the reason you can do those things is because God gives you the ability. And this is just financial. The Bible also talks about God gives other things. Like, for example, uh, probably the most famous verse in the Bible now, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him has eternal life. So not only our financial resources and our possessions, but if you were a Christian, your salvation comes from God. And here's actually, real briefly, if you're here listening or maybe you're online watching or listening later, if you're here and you're not a Christian, like the things we're going to talk about today, I think you could apply and and you're going to have a better life because of it. But, If you miss Jesus, you really miss the point of everything. And so listen, I hope you benefit from today's sermon. If anything, I like I was talking with Pete after the first sermon, this is a great chance if you're you're not a believer, but maybe you're just checking things out or you're a guest because you came in to visit for the holidays. Like, if nothing else, this would be a great sermon for you to eavesdrop on and just ask yourself, like, man, why would Christians live this way? And here's what I would tell you why we're going to live the way we're going to talk about today is because we see that God loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus that we would not be punished for our sins, but he was punished in our place. And because he gave us that, he gives us everything, guess what? This is the next part of the giving cycle. We then give back to God. If we can put that picture up. There we go. So the idea of the next step of the giving cycle, which Rob, our lead pastor, talked about when a few weeks ago we talked about a great sermon, I encourage you to go listen to it if you did not yet, is a give, save, spend. The idea of how God would ha- have us handle our resources is first we give. This is from the book of Proverbs. That's our first inclination, is not to go spend however we want, but to actually give. And then we save wisely, and then the rest we can spend. Now, some people break this down at different percentages. Some people do like a 10, 10, 80. They give 10, they save 10, they give 80, other people give more and save more, maybe they only spend sixty, but the idea is is we want to handle God's money God's way. And I say God's money intentionally, and I should have even said this earlier when I was at the first drawing. The the, the idea that it all starts with God is so important for I think two reasons. Number one, it's a reminder, God doesn't need like money. And so the the point we like the reason we're doing this series is we're not up like saying, hey guys God let us know he's really, really short on cash, and he needs you to step up. Like, he's like, he's like, because like, you know, Black Friday, followed by Small Business Saturday, followed by Cyber Monday, which is kind of funny, because then guess what, Giving Tuesday is like at the end, after you've already spent everything, and uh, I thought that was funny, you did not, but I just thought that was kind of funny, and like a great actual visual of our, like, society and how we work, but anyways, that's not the point. God's not like, man, I'm short on cash, I need you to come through. God didn't tell us that. God's fine. Like, the earth is the Lord's. If anything, what this picture, the first one reminded us is that, like, if anything, we don't own anything. We're investors of God's stuff. So, like, I don't know if you've thought about that before, but if everything comes from God, that means that as I'm spending my money, as I'm having my possessions, what I'm doing is I'm investing his stuff. I'm investing his money. Um, And what God would have us do is invest his money the way that he would have us do it. I even think that word of invest, um, an investor is not someone who takes your money and says, all right, I'm gonna go do with it whatever I want for my own reasons. No, an investor, yes, takes your money, but then says, hey, I wanna invest this wisely so that it yields the person who's investing it the highest return possible for the person whose money it is. In the same way, God gives us our stuff so that we would invest it for his purposes. Now listen, we've said throughout the series, but in case you haven't been here, I want you to hear it from me. We are not saying that you cannot enjoy life and enjoy possessions, no. Like, go and do that. We're also just saying that once you begin to do money God's way and possessions God's way, when you give and you save and you spend, you're going to be in line with God and what he wants to do. In the world. So this is the cycle we've hit a lot on so far. God gives us everything, but then part of what we do is we then give a portion of that back to God. Now, how does that work? Even like Rob joked last week, you know, God doesn't have a central bank account that we can like do direct deposit to from our paychecks. Um, there's different ways you can do this, but I actually believe the primary and most consistent way that we give to God is by giving to our local church. Here, here's why. Here's why. Stick with me in case you repelt this a little bit. Number one, the church is God's plan A for advancing his mission to the ends of the earth. At the end of that, Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And then guess what? The rest of the New Testament is the church going and doing that. Locally, wherever they were, but then they would also send out missionaries and church planners So the church is God's plan A for accomplishing his mission and purposes on earth. And it's the only organization that's even mentioned in the New Testament. Now, I'm not saying it's the only place you or I can and should give, um, I've even been in uh, meetings recently of people. I hesitate to say names because I don't want to take the joy of giving out away from them because the Bible says don't give in order to be seen. Um, But people have talked about how they've given to other things in our community and they've been bled dry, but they're so happy because of it. So I'm not saying the church is the only place you can give, but I am saying that as Christians, it's the primary and consistent place that we should give. Everyone following me so far? Okay. This is what we've talked about for the last five or six weeks. If you've missed any weeks, I encourage you to go and check them out. Rob's done an incredible job of leading us through this series. Now, here's what I want to do today is focus in on something, again, that we've kind of hinted at and touched on a few times, but maybe not um, dove in deeply with. And it's this, is that there's times in our lives, and when I say our lives, I mean you as an individual or us as a church that God is going to give us unique needs and opportunities um, at any given moment. Maybe it's a person um, that has a need around you that you hear of, uh, uh, someone in your friend group or just someone in the community. Um, maybe it's an open door window of opportunity for ministry. And it could be you or it could be us as a church that's presented a need or an opportunity. And in these moments, um, God wants us to step into him. I, even, I, I was thinking, um, as Sierra was making the announcement for uh, the giving tree, is that, you know, she talked about how, you know, put your name on the picture. At the same time, I had the cell of man. That, in a sense, means that a gift had your name on it. And here's what I would tell you is that God is going to give you as an individual and us as a church opportunities and needs that have our names on it. And he wants us to step into him. But we need to step into him when the opportunity is there. Uh, One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named Leonard Ravenhill, which is just a great name. Just a great name. He says this, The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me say that again because it's kind of a mouthful. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. What he's basically saying is that, hey, an opportunity is a short window where it's open and you gotta seize it while it's there. But if you will, some incredible things can happen. I've seen this in person before. Um, I went to a passion conference. If you're not familiar with passion, it's this big college conference that they have for, for Christians where they come from all over the nation. Um, I was there in 2012, wow, so yeah, 10 years ago. That's crazy. 10 years ago, I was there. Here's the thing, like, if you don't know college students much, I'm sure you were one at some point. Like, Usually, college student and the word poor put together pretty commonly, right? Um, it's like I remember when I was a grad student at Baylor, um, I knew I was rolling in cash when I. I could put bananas in my oatmeal. Like that's when I knew it was a good week kind of a thing. Like poor college student is usually what you associate together. Well, I'm here, I'm at this conference and the people at the conference are really just informing the college students about how, hey, like slavery still exists in our world today. Modern like day slavery is still a big thing. Millions of people are in it. And they challenge these poor college students to give. And so you're thinking, all right, we'll be happy with like, you know, like 50,000 or 100,000. You know, there's, there's 40, about thirty to 40,000 college students. If everyone just gives a dollar, we'll be happy with like 40,000 to $50,000. Well, at the very end of this conference, as they're closing it out, they announced that these college students had given $3.3 3 million. And I was in the room. I'm getting chills now thinking about it. That place erupted, like screaming, cheering. Like it was just insane. And it was a cool moment because, again, it just showed like, hey, they didn't have to have all these resources. They just gave of what they had. But an opportunity was presented to them. Oh, cycle's no longer out there, but don't worry about it. Don't put it up there. And they stepped into it. And here's what I believe. I don't believe that anyone who did that, Looked back in the moment or later and said, Man, I wish I had not done that. In fact, here's what I believe, even if they didn't verbalize it this way, this is what they felt. And this is what I'm hoping, by the way, like us, we feel today, by the end of this, and as we, as we step into these opportunities God gives us. Like, I believe that if you ask each of them now, 10 years later, they'd be like, I'm so glad I did. But I also believe there were people in the room that God had asked them to step into that, and they didn't. You know what I believe? If you ask them today, they would say, I so wish I had. And what we want to be as the people of God is when God gives us opportunities, we want to be people who at the end of it can say, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I stepped into that opportunity and not, oh, I wish I had. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if I even could give you kind of a, maybe a, a sentence to keep in mind if you want to write it down or just kind of keep it in the back of your head as we're about to go to Scripture here in just a second is, um, is this, is I want you to imagine what God could do If we are ready, willing, and if we remember that God is able. Flip with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, A little context for what's happening, excuse me, in this passage. Um, This is from the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth, and he had been with him a within about the last year at this point. In the, in the passage we're going to read, he's going to mention the last year. He was with them, and at the time, uh, the church in Jerusalem, another church, was in really big financial need. And, and so Paul had been going around different churches challenging them, encouraging them to give to this need and opportunity had arisen. So a special need and opportunity had arisen for them um, as well, and he was encouraging them to step into it. Apparently the church in Corinth had like gotten really excited, Zilpho had pledged a lot of money, because Paul in chapter 8 had talked about how their zeal to give to this opportunity had encouraged other churches, specifically you'll hear them mentioned in in chapter 9, a church from Macedonia had been inspired and they had given as well. And Paul's now writing them to saying, hey, we're going to come and collect it. And he wants to make sure that they're able to step into um, this opportunity that is about to come to them. And this is going to be a great teaching thing for us as we also want to step into those opportunities in our lives as well. Um, Let's stand and then I'll read the scripture uh, for us together. And then I would love to actually go ahead. I don't always do this. I'm going to pray for us. So just remain standing as I pray. If you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one in front and it'll be on the screen as well. 2 Corinthians 9. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them but i am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as i said you would be otherwise if some macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident so i thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing exaction and not i mean as a willing gift and not as an exaction The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By the approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Jesus, I thank you for your Word. I thank you that we get to be here and get to gather together. Um, God, I, I asked this morning that you would inspire us. I really, I really. I don't want this text, which is a a challenging text. Paul is challenging them, and then through them is challenging us. Um, And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But, Lord, I don't want the the spirit of the room to be, oh, I have to or anything. I want us to really leave inspired and, and just be thinking, oh, I get to be a part of this. And I want us to look back in the future as we're looking about opportunities we stepped into individually and as a church. And I want us to be able to say, oh, I'm so glad I did. And that I wish I had or I wish we had. So would you just stir something up in us this morning? Uh, But God, even just remind us. Earlier we talked about how you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. So nothing that I'm about to talk about from your word is to make you love us, is to make you save us. You've already done that. Everything we're talking about this morning is a response to the gospel. And so, Lord, keep that fresh in our hearts and minds and help us to do this at an overflow of love and thanksgiving to you. Amen. You can feel free to have a seat. I've had a little bit of a cough this week after being sick for like on Monday and Tuesday. Let me get a quick drink of water so I don't have to cough into your ears the whole time. All right. So I know that was a lot because we went through the whole chapter, but really it's pretty simple what Paul is saying. He's saying that, listen, um, there's this need and I want you to be ready. I want you to be willing and I want you to remember God is able. Um, and specifically for this, that as, as they give to the Jerusalem church, really two things are going to happen. Um, The Jerusalem church's needs are going to be met, but then they're going to give thanksgiving back up to God. So let's actually give our giving cycle back up, because this, in a sense, in one way, completes the giving cycle. So God gives to us. We give a portion of that back to God most consistently through the church, but then as these needs and opportunities arise that we can step into, that God wants us to step into, maybe you individually meet that need. So that's why we have the arrow going over. So maybe it's you specifically rallying around someone you know is a need or an opportunity and you step into that. So maybe, yeah, you are given to the church, but hey, there's also this other organization that you're given into, that there's an open door of ministry, or whatever it is, you personally step into it. Or maybe as you've been given to the church, the church steps into different needs and opportunities that are coming. Along as well, Uh, real quick on this one here. Actually, real quick, I may spend a few minutes on it. Like, I want you to know that as the church does this, like, if you give, you're a part of that. Like, you're a part of that. Um, You may not see it, you may not even know about it, but you're a part of it. So, like, for example, when the staff during the week are are meeting with people and doing counseling or stepping into things in the community, meeting needs there, like, if you give, you're a part of that. Like, you're not in the room. But your presence is felt through the way you've given, and and I know you may not feel, it, but I want you to know it. Like you get to be a part of that. So as the church is stepping into things as well, because you've been giving, you're stepping into it, even if you're not doing it directly. And so I, I hope you know that. And I hope you know that, like, man, that's incredible. I, I really think, and we'll hit more on this maybe at the end as we, as we kind of close out at the very end, like, I, I really believe that in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, there's going to be people who come up to you and say thank you. And you're like, what did I do? And they're going to tell the stories about how maybe you gave or the things that you did, like, that you didn't even know, like, you didn't even know what was going on. Like, you're like hey, God used you, and even though you didn't know it. It's going to be pretty cool. All right. So we step in individually or as a church, into needs or opportunities. But then what's cool is those people then praise God, let's put our next picture up there, for that. And so God gets the glory. And I didn't even say I could draw more things to it, but it was getting too complicated. I'm I'm looking, Shiloh, I should have totally called you and you could have fixed it for me. He's a graphic designer. You could have made it way better. And that is clunky because I've started to put arrows in other places, but I got confused looking at my own drawing. And so I didn't do that. But like, what's cool then is like when you do this, like, Remember what happened with the Macedonians? They, what? they were inspired. It's like other people could see you, and they're inspired to give, and then people give, and then guess what? God gets more glory. People's needs are met. Opportunities happen. The kingdom spreads. This is what the generosity cycle, guys. This is the giving cycle. Like This is where it gets fun, because you get to see God doing all these incredible things and these opportunities, and then God gets the glory and the praise for it because of how you got to be used in the process. It's really cool. So this is what Paul is saying to them. This is what Paul is saying to us as well. That's what he's saying to us as well. Now, in order for us, though, to do it, we kind of hit three words. He wants us to be ready, willing, and able. I'm not going to hit every verse, but I at least want to read a few so you can kind of know I'm not making it up, although you probably read it. In verses one through four, I know of your readiness. Verse two, um, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers that our boasting about you may not prove emptiest matter, but so that you may be ready. If you can imagine with me, what Paul is basically saying to them is, listen, like, we're going to come in a year, and, or like in the, not in a year, we're going to come soon, and Macedonians might be with us. And if we get there, and you haven't collected this yet, it's going to get awkward. Like, it's going to look like you know, our talk about you is just all talk and that you really didn't mean anything by it. You're going to be embarrassed. We're going to be embarrassed. Also, what Paul might be saying here is like, if you try to collect it in the moment, you may have pledged one thing, but you haven't been saving for it. In the moment, you're not going to have enough money, so there's not going to be a lot of money given. It's just going to be bad. So Paul says, hey, hey, make sure when the opportunity comes that you're already ready when it comes. Follow me so far? So I think really with the simple thing Paul just tells us is, hey, as opportunities come our way, that are heaven sent, that are God sent, we need to be ready when they come. And here's, I think, the simple way this happens for us today simple application. The way we're ready for these opportunities is for us to have our financial houses in order. And, and when I say us here, I mean you and me individually, and also just mean us as a church. And here's what I mean in order that we're either staying out of or actively have a plan and taking steps to get out of crushing debt. Won't go into this a lot because Rob already hit this a couple weeks ago. Um, it's us making sure we're saving so that we have cash on hand. It's us making sure we're spending wisely the, 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 the resources that God has given Again, not that we can't enjoy life, it just means that we're being wise and we have a financial plan and that we're following it. Again, Rob did a whole sermon on this. If you need more, go listen to Gifts They've Spent. I know, I just got out of preaching more on it by saying go listen to Rob's sermon. But I did it, and I'm moving on now. But no, seriously, go like, listen to it. But here's what I will say, all joking aside. like As we were talking about this in this series, we thought, okay, we want to kind of go 40,000 feet, but then maybe some people need some additional resources after this series is over. So what we're going to do in January or February, we're trying to nail down the date, is we're going to actually bring in friends of ours that are like financial advisors and consultants, and they're going to do a series of classes and workshops for anyone who wants further help, like getting a financial plan in order. Um, so that you could actually be ready when God gives you opportunities. And that's actually what I wanted to emphasize here. Since we've already done a sermon and we're going to be doing classes, I want to emphasize the why. The, the point of having your financial house in order isn't so that you have more margin to go buy the house in Tahoe. If you want to do that, just invite me and I'll be fine with it. Like, but seriously, love, like, it's not that. And it's, it's not that, oh, so that we can just have more cash. No, it's the idea is, is so that we're ready when God sends us an opportunity, our way. Um, We've seen incredible stories of how you've already done this individually in so many different places. Again, I'm going to leave names out because the Bible says don't give in order to be seen. and I don't want to take away their source of joy by maybe throwing their names out there, but just a couple of stories we've seen, like I've seen the past year. A year ago, we had the devastating floods that destroyed so many houses all across our community. And we went out, um, I believe late Thanksgiving year, like around late November, um, early December, went out and served the community. Through that, um, a family or two in our church got to meet um, a woman over in Ferndale who had just lost everything. And not only did they help help her clean up her house that day, but then a couple people put together a few thousand dollars to give to her just to help her get back up on her feet. But fast forward a month later to get Christmas time, house is still destroyed, no way to kind of cook a Christmas meal. They didn't feel good about that, and that was a good thing. So one family stepped forward and donated a full Hagen holiday Christmas meal so they could have a regular Christmas-like meal together as a family. Like, we didn't ask them to do that. Like, God just presented an opportunity, and guess what? They stepped into it. Um, another family, or a couple of families I learned about recently, um, there is um, someone in our church that just had a pretty big financial need over the past couple of years. Um, her, and I think her, her son or daughter, and um, uh, was in a GC, and the GC together just kind of rallied, and a few families in the GC have literally given like over like ten to $20,000 to help support her over the past couple of years, just in an ongoing way. Again, not going to say names, because... Don't wanna make them the superstars, but I'm just more to highlight to say like, A, that's incredible. We see God moving in your hearts already in the area of uh, life of generosity. But number two, how were they able to do that? Like when the opportunity came, how were they able to do it? They were what? Ready. Like in other words, like when the opportunity came, they didn't think, oh, can we go this? like, no, like they were ready. They had the margin to be able to do it. This is why you want to be ready so that when opportunities come your way, again, think about what I said earlier. You don't want to look back and say, oh, I wish I had. You want to be able to look back and say, I'm so glad I did, and how you can do that is you're ready when the opportunities come. We try to operate the same way as a church. So it's not just we're asking you as individuals to do this as a church, like as leaders, we try to do the same thing. We we wanna have cash reserves on hand. It's just wise stewardship. We wanna have that in case, like for example, um, when the furnace went out, did anyone like, was anyone there that day when it went out? The first weekend it was cold here. I was like, ah, oh, good Simon. And it was like 50 degrees in here. Yeah, but you know what? We were able to step around and fix it because we had cash reserves. We didn't have to go and say, oh, we hope we can collect them. Of money, no, we reserve. So, whether it's a need like that, or even like as people come up to us from the community and they have needs, or as people in the church do, um, or even forget needs, opportunities like we want to see more and more churches planted, not just around the world, but like in Whatcom County in this area. And that's going to take financial resources since that's one of the reasons why we try to have cash reserves because if a door opens, we want to be able to step into it right then. And so this isn't just a you thing. It's an us thing. It's an us thing. So we need to be ready and have our financial house in order. If you're like, okay, like what do I do? Next step, if you feel like your house is not in order, um, reach out to us. We can get you connected with people, but then also sign up for those classes in January and February. There's also so many resources online like from Dave Ramsey and others. But listen, let's be ready. Number two. Um, we need to be willing. So it's one thing to be ready, but if you're ready, but you're not willing to step in the opportunity, then you won't be able to look back and say, I'm so glad I did as well. And remember, we're imagining what God could do if we are these people. So, so here's where I get the idea that we need to be willing from. Go with me back to the text in um, verses 5 through 7. So it says, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised that you may be ready. We already hit that, as a willing, that's the key word there, gift, as a willing gift and not as an exaction. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must decide to give each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um Paul here not only is saying you need to be ready so that you can be able to respond when we come but also I think if you can imagine it's not hard like Paul says hey if we come and you haven't collected the money yet and you're doing it there in person some of you are not going to go give because you really want to you're going to give because well that person gave and I'm sitting beside them and if I just have my hand in my pockets and don't give I'm going to look bad so I'm going to give but in that moment they're not giving because they want to give they're giving so they don't look bad or maybe they're going to think oh Paul because you're twisting my arm I'm going to and Paul's like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to give because I'm twisting your arm. Like Paul's saying, I don't want you to give because you have to. I want you to give because you get to. Like that's the mindset that he wants these people to have. In fact, I love that word cheerful. The word in Greek is hilaros, which is where we get the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Like, I don't know, it's just kind of funny even to say that loud. In other words, and it's not a person who's, like, when it's time to give, they're like, (laughs) no, like, that's not them. Like, the idea of a hilarious giver is someone who loves to give. Not because they have to, because they get to. Um, I think we get this in our relationships, right? Um, Especially if you're married. Hey, I'm gonna go ahead, because the first service, they were a little slow on this, some of the single people. I'm about to tell a story to tell single people what you don't do, okay? So don't like nod your head and write this down. Like, just know the punchline then is don't do what I'm about to say to do. So okay, imagine it's your anniversary. And you, you know, whoever you are and they're like, you're, you want to do something special for them. So maybe you cook a whole big meal where you take them out to their favorite place for dinner. You buy them roses or candy or flowers, whatever gifts they love, whatever things they love the most. You just go and you spend a lot of money. You spend a lot of time on this. And at the end of the night, your spouse looks at you and just said, man, you spent so much money and time doing this. Like, why did you do this? And you look at them and you say, because it was my duty. If you're single, they're laughing because what married people know is that'd be a great time to hit the deck. Like you move, like you want to duck, you want to like get out of their way because you're probably about to be harmed. Um, and so, but not like, it's not what you want to hear, right? No, no, no. Like in that moment, you don't want to hear them say, well, I'm your husband, I'm your wife. It's what I guess I'm supposed to do. No, no, no. You don't want to hear people say, it's my duty. You want to hear them say, it's my delight. You want to hear stuff like, nothing makes me happier than to do this kind of stuff for you. Nothing makes me happier. That's the heart that God wants in us towards giving to him and towards stepping into opportunities. And if we don't have this heart, when the opportunity comes, because we're kind of hard-hearted and not willing, the opportunity is going to pass us by And we're not going to be able to step into it. Now, I do want to address um, two things. Number one, like, well, what if you've been in here the last weeks or even like today and God's been convicting you and you're like, okay, like, I know I should give and I actually am planning to try to get my financial house in order so that I can give, but I, I don't feel these feelings of joy yet. Here's what I'd say. If you're telling me that you want to feel the feelings, but they haven't gotten there yet, then you're actually not a hypocrite. A hypocrite would be a person who says, you know what? I don't want to give, but I'm going to give anyways. I don't even want to want to give. Uh, that's, that's a hypocrite. It would not be hypocrisy to say, man, I'm not feeling it right now, but I'm feeling uh, except for conviction, but I want to feel it. Well, in that case, I'd say, go ahead and begin giving because Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart will be. So actually, God could be calling you to give, and then the emotions will catch up. Is this making sense so far? So what I'm saying is if you felt conviction in the series, but the feelings aren't there yet, if you want them to be there, then take a step and believe that God will help your emotions catch up to your actions. Make sense? That's not hypocrisy. That's just good practice. Okay? Good practice. Um, Here's what I would say, though. Like, what if you're out there and you're like, I just don't feel it. Like, I I don't feel stirred in any of these ways. Um, I would encourage you to focus on two things, and neither of them is actually giving. Okay? Number one, focus on the gospel. Focus on the gospel. Here's why. The gospel is the good news that we've already talked about a little bit today, which is, God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And that son came down and lived the perfect life you could not live. He died the death you should have died for the perfect life you couldn't live. And then he was raised to life so that you could live. And in fact, I love 2 Corinthians 8, just a chapter earlier when Paul is trying to stir um, their love up for each other. He says in verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And so when he wants to stir up their love, he says focus on the gospel, focus on what God has already done for you. Because as you do that, guess what? God will begin to melt your heart and he'll stir your love for him and your love for others. So the first thing to do is not to focus more on giving. It's actually just to focus on the gospel and what God has given you. And as that happens, I believe you'll begin to feel things that are different. And as your heart is stirred by God, your heart will become like his. And we've already seen God is so generous. Number two, I'd say this. Don't focus on the giving. Focus on the gain. Because sometimes, like when we start talking about giving in church or start talking about giving to things, like we'll use words like sacrifice, which sometimes we are called to sacrifice things, but so much of it is on what we have to give up. When really, though, when you look at the Bible, when it talks about giving, the emphasis is way more on what you get back. Like way more. In fact, like look in the passage that we just read. Um, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Um, is using a farming analogy, okay? No farmer goes out and thinks, man, I really don't want to give up these seeds, so I'm just going to keep them all for me. I'm not going to plant them at all. I'm not going to plant them at all because then I won't get anything from it. Like, we're all laughing because it's absurd. Because, why? That's, That's the whole point. Like, the farmer says, no, like, I have to plant my seeds to actually be able to gain more than I planted. Like, you plant a seed of corn and you get back way more than that little bitty seed. That's what Paul is trying to say here. You will get back way more than you ever put in when you give to God you'll get back way more so don't focus on what you have to give up focus on what you gain instead it's the same thing as like if you do a 401k or 403b or anything like that yeah you're putting in money that you could have spent on something else but the gain you're gonna get over the next 30 to 40 years is way more than anything you ever will give up it's making sense this is like clicking okay just want to make sure like just make sure you guys are following me for a second um it's like well, what do you gain Well let's think about something you gain. like internally you gain contentment as you don't have to have everything in your hands, but thinking back to that Martin Luther quote, as you put things in the hands of God, you can gain contentment. You can gain joy. uh, Some of the happiest people I know are the people who just are hilarious givers. There's a reason he used the word hilarious. They have joy. Because when you get to see what you get to be a part of, I've yet to meet someone who's been used by God when opportunity gave their way that required them to be generous, and they said, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. No, they're like, oh, What a joy, what a blessing to get to be used by God in that. So there's joy. But also there's the idea of you get to be used by God. Can we put our giving cycle back up? Like you get to be used in the process of these kingdom opportunities that he has. It's the college students who are like, man, they went crazy because like we got to be used by God in this way. Like You want at the end of your life and in the new heavens and new earth to be able to tell stories of like, oh, I'm so glad I gave that because look at what God did. You don't want to say, oh, if only I had done that. Um, this came home to me oh, probably about Seven or how long has it been since we were in D.C.? Seven years, seven or eight years, or so. Um, I was at a church in D.C. Massive church. Like it's important to know that because like you're like like just for the numbers that I'm about to put out there. Massive church. Like ten to twelve thousand people around that. Five campuses. D.C. is like insane amount of money there. Um, and uh, I had just come on staff and we had hired this um, outside organization to do some consulting, for, mainly for our building, but they also did some financial stuff. So um, the leaders of our church were trying to figure out what's the giving potential of our church. So they had had them commission this study and everything. And the people found out, the, this company had found out that the giving potential of our church, I'm not making this up. Like I went and looked at the PDF document this day that was like 80 pages long to make sure I wasn't making this up. The giving potential of our church, if ever Everyone, actually, I shouldn't say if everyone gave, like their income total combined, two point two billion dollars, two point two billion, which meant we were just doing the math. Like if everyone tithed for just one year, two hundred and twenty-two million dollars in budget. Now our budget at the time was like around 30 to 32 million. And so I'm the kind of guy, like, I like to think in possibilities. You may have caught that already. And I just began thinking, like, my thought was not, just so you know, oh, you bunch of ungrateful and generous people. Like, that was not my thought. My thought was actually like, oh my goodness, like, if our people had willing hearts, like, they're obviously ready. They got the money. Like, if they had willing hearts, like, man, what could be accomplished for the gospel? So I was like, I was looking back at some of my notes from a few years ago. Like, I calculated, um, there's 1,500 languages left in the world that don't have any part of the Bible in their language? We could have translated 200 of them, <laughs> or 600 of the New Testament. We could have planted between 750 and thousand churches. Like I'm getting chills thinking about it because I get so excited because like that was my thing. It's like oh, like look what we if just one year of tithing, look what we could say. Like look back and say, oh my gosh, like God, thank you for letting us be a part of this but we just weren't willing. And so listen, like, that church has been cool to see what God has done in their hearts even since I've left. Like, um, like God has begun to stir that up in them and it's incredible to see but the, the whole point of me telling that story is like, man, like, what I wanted if I could talk to every person is like, do you know what we could accomplish? Do you know how you could be used for God's glory if you were willing? So we want to be ready. We want to be willing. But then the last thing is we do need to remember that as we're willing and ready, God is able God is able. Um, go with me to verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You can you can imagine that as Paul is uh, talking to the Corinthians and he's encouraging them to be ready to be um, willing. Um, they may have had these kinds of thoughts. Well, like if we give and to help their needs, who's going to take care of our needs? Like I've got bills to pay and I've got a mortgage and I've got this or that. Like what about like? I'm not trying to be selfish, Paul, but like I've got needs too. And if I do this, like like like, how am I going to be okay? And God's like Paul. simply says, listen, listen, like. God's able to take care of you. Now, now here's—I had a timer on my phone. That's the timer that's going off, so I need to wrap up here in a minute. Um, <laughs> um, Paul is not saying, "Hey, if you give, God's going to make you rich." That's not what Paul is saying in this passage. He's not saying, "All right, if you give, then you're going to get that yacht you've always dreamed of." He's like, no, 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 Paul is simply saying that as you give—actually, let's put that giving cycle back up. It's just so helpful as a tool. As you give to the church or to others, guess what God's going to keep doing? What he's always done, which is supply you with everything you need. But in the passage, the point is not so that you get, it's so that you can keep giving. So you get to be a part of the cycle ongoing forever and ever. It's cool. So cool. I've gotten to experience this. Um, uh, I had a a moment where God really convicted me over this. Um, uh, probably when we were at Elevation, what, 12, 13 years ago? Sorry, my wife's in the front. You're like, who are you asking? My wife's down here. I've lost track sometimes of when we were at different places. Um, We, at my first full-time ministry job, while we were there, for a lot of different reasons I don't have the time to get into, we got into some massive, like, debt. Um, We weren't out, like, buying huge big-screen TVs. It was just us trying to pay for essentials, and it was a very low-paying job. We got into a lot of debt. And um, if you've ever been in debt, it's hard because you're trying to pay that off as you're also trying to pay for groceries and, and other stuff like that. And um, the church, one of its core values was generosity. And we weren't giving anything. Um, now, I, I didn't feel as bad about that because I wasn't preaching, so I wasn't up there preaching a message like this than not doing, but still like... As I would hear us talk about the value of generosity, I'm like, we're not giving anything. But then we thought, oh, we would look at our finances and think, how can we do this? Eventually, I just felt like God just said, you need to trust me. I, I got realized when I was struggling with this that like it, it, was as, as, it was as much about my lack of faith as it was maybe the presence of greed or selfishness. And so I just realized, like, okay, i got to trust God. So we just began to commit, like, we are going to give. Like, when we get paid, the first 10% is going to go to God. Now, if you want, we talked about this last week with tithing. If you want to do more, do more, great, whatever. But, like, for us, it started with 10%. And I'm just going to tell you, it didn't make a lot of financial sense. Like, we put, look, we wrote the numbers out, and we're like, Oh, I I might have to go back to oatmeal and bananas uh, kind of a thing. Like, this does not make sense. But we just committed as a couple and as a family. We are going to begin giving, okay? We're not going to ask for others to go first. We're going to lead the way as best we can. And here's what I'm going to tell you. These years later, God has always met our needs. He's always been able. He's always proved himself faithful. Doesn't mean that we didn't have to be tied a few times and not go out to that meal or not take that trip. I'm just telling you that as we have begun to give over the last decade plus of our lives, like, A, like I feel better because I don't feel like there's this hypocrisy and gap. And B, like, I've gotten to see God provide for us. And I've gotten to see God do so many things that I look back and I say, I'm so glad I did. That's what we want to do. Like, can you imagine? Like if we all just took some steps in this together and as a church as a whole, um, can you imagine what we could maybe look back in five to 10 years and say, oh, I'm so glad we did that or I'm so glad I did that. Like what, what if we have been able to, by God's grace, plant churches in different places and like we've been able to see people receive salvation and marriages restored and all these different things, incredible things happen. I don't think it we will look back and say, oh, I wish we had it. I think we'll all say, oh, we're so glad we did. And what you don't want is to be on the sideline saying, oh, I so wish I would have. No, like, if we will step forward and be ready, willing, and remember God is able, we'll be able to say that. Um, Earlier, um, Sierra did the giving tree. I want you to know, like, like, number 36, number 52, whatever number you grab, like, those are real people. Like, it's a number because, like, the school needs to be able to know who they are to be able to sync them up. Like, those are real people with real kids, and I just think there's gonna be some cool moments that maybe happen, or maybe I'm gonna pray they happen, that maybe one day you get to the new heavens and the new earth, and someone randomly comes up to you and just says, thank you so much for your generosity. And you're like, who are you? I was number 36. I was number 52. And when we found out that I, these people who didn't even know us from a church gave, even though we didn't believe what they believed, we thought, okay, like, something's gotta be different about them. That they're willing to love on people they don't even know. They don't even agree with what they believe. and So through all that, man, God led us to Jesus. Like I believe, I'm going to pray stories like that happen. And when they do, you're going to think, I'm so glad I did. Just imagine what God could do through you and through us if we're ready, willing, and if we remember God is able. Let's pray together. Oh, God, I, I do just pray for a sense of expectancy and excitement. Um, I know that challenges just like this, especially around the area of finances, um, it can, it can easily get into guilt and feel heavy. And, and Lord, there's, there's times for appropriate conviction. I get that. But God, I, I do really pray that you would give us cheerful hearts. Paul said that you love cheerful givers, that you love people who just love to give. Help us to be those people individually and as a church. Just, would you just make this an insanely generous place? It already is, as I've even gotten to share some stories. But would you just now multiply it to each of us? And God, I really do pray that the effect would not simply be that we manage our resources better. Lord, you don't have to be a Christian to do that. <laughs> Plenty of people who don't believe in you who are managing the resources fine. Um, Lord, help us not to do it simply so that we can have better retirements. Not that That's bad, but Lord, pl- you can do that apart from being believing in you. We want to do this so that as you send us opportunities, we can step into them so that the gospel can go forward and you can get the glory you deserve. And that we can be used in the process. So would you just do that? And would you just help us to be able to look up in a few years and say, oh, I'm so glad I did that. And Lord, even though as now we begin to pivot towards communion, we want to just remind ourselves, though, that at the end of the day, even if we do all this, it's not going to earn a single ounce of love. That we're not doing this to get you to love us. We're not doing this to get you to save us, to get you to, to, to like us more. That we're actually doing this because of how you have already shown your love on the cross and through all of creation for us. So God, align our hearts with the gospel and align our hearts with you now. And God, if anything, even just the, talking about what we uh, hit on in the sermon for a few minutes, would you use the gospel to stir our hearts and our affections for you and for those around us? It is in your name that we pray. Amen.